Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Um, I am beginning a new series today entitled, I'm Serious, because I believe as we head into 2023, there's some things we need to if we're not serious about, get serious about them. All right, I'm going to try it again. All right, always good to say amen. I believe as we head into a new year, there's some things that we need to get serious about if we're not serious about. Amen? amen. And to begin this series, I want to take you into Romans chapter 1. And it's important to know how we got to where we are as a culture and what we're facing it will kind of reveal why we need to get serious about, about especially spiritual things. And uh, when we were in the Dominican Republic, I was thinking about this. Um, we spent some time with a photographer who took some pictures for us, and he was a Christian guy. And he kind of asked, you know, how did America get so messed up? And uh, I showed him Romans chapter 1, and when he read it, he couldn't believe it. He's like, that's, that's like what's happening in America right now. And uh, if you've never read Romans chapter 1, it, it, this is, this is going to be, you know, put on your seatbelts. It's, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. But you're going to see why we are where we are. And that's going to kind of tell us why we need to get serious. So will you go on this journey with me this morning? All right. So we are in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. You can just look on the screen to follow along that way. We're not looking at all different translations. We're on the same page together. It says this. They know the truth about God. Because he has made it obvious to them. Okay, how has God made it obvious that he is? For ever since the world was created, everybody say created. created. People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. This verse makes it plain that for any person to look around this world and see the size of of the universe, the complexity of the universe, the order of the universe, the diversity of the universe, and even the fact, how does this gray matter in between my ears allow me to think, process, and communicate? That if anybody with an open heart would look around at these things, they would have to conclude there's a God. I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative that there is no God, that this world is a cosmic accident. Now, look, I, I've, I've witnessed a few accidents. Order does not come out of accidents. You don't get in a car accident and be like, man, my car's finally fixed. Right? It's a mess. If you don't believe God created everything, then you have to believe it's all a cosmic accident. All right, listen. Now, I'm, I'm going to use a Rolex watch, for example. This is not a Rolex watch, so do not come up here and think you're going to steal $10,000 from Eastern Assembly, all right? Don't do that, all right? So, all right, I'm, I'm, just pretend for a moment, I'm in the jungles of Brazil. I mean, I'm in the rainforest, and I'm walking through the rainforest, and I see this shiny thing, and I reach down, and there is a beautiful, all-gold Rolex watch. Do I say, oh, how on earth did the leaves of the jungle turn into a Rolex watch? Oh, that tree decomposing. Look what it produced. 
No, you're going to look at the complexity of this watch, and you're going to know there was a watchmaker. And you're going to be mystified. You're going to say, how did somebody drop a Rolex watch in the jungle? But you're going to know. Now, listen, there's no way you can look around at the complexity, order, diversity of this world and not realize there's a world maker out there. Come on, are you still with me this morning? I like the, the way the message Bibles, there it is. If you want a good Rolex, there's one you can buy. All right, there it is. All right, Psalm 19 says this. This is from the message Bible. I like the way it puts it. God's glory is on tour in the skies. God craft on exhibit across the horizon. How many of you have seen some beautiful sunrises, sunsets? Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. Their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. What's the unspoken truth? Somebody say, there is a God. So, so you look around and you see the hand of God, and you're without excuse, because if you conclude there's a God, the next logical question is, why did he put me here and what does he want with me? You can't just say, he's up there, there's a God, and then, oh, just go your own way. No, there, there's questions. If you really believe there is one, why did he put me here? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Come on, somebody. Amen? Now, what happens if you know that and you push back on it? Yeah, yeah, I can't deny that there's a God, but I'm going to do my own thing. Well, Romans tells us what happens next if you push back. Yes, they knew God. In other words, they couldn't deny there was one, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became, everybody help me. We're going to come back to that. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So, so you know people, we all know people, that they're not going to deny there's a God, but do they worship him? Do they serve him? Have they surrendered their lives to him? Come on, help me out, church. What's the answer to that? No. And notice what happens at that point. Okay, when people reject the God of creation, their minds become dark and confused. All right, and anybody see any darkness in our land? Yeah, darkness, uh, depression, anxiety, evil, confused. Don't, don't know who they are. I, I've listened to some, uh, some YouTube videos where uh, somebody was interviewing a professor who was a, a doctor, I mean, a very smart person, and they were asked a very simple question. What is a woman? And they wouldn't answer that question. Or they couldn't answer that question. Come on. Confused. Dark. The more people push God out of the picture, the more confused they become about who they are. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Foolish in what sense? Foolish in the sense that when you talk about things, instead of referring to a God who is above it all, now it's all about man, all about me, all about humanism. Because here's the problem, listen. God created man to be a worshiper. It's in our DNA to worship. It's how God created us, to, 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 to look for something big in ourselves to give adoration. So if you don't give that to God, then you're gonna give that to somebody. 
or something. Come on. Come on, stick with me. It's, it's a little deep this morning. You gotta stick with me. Okay. God created us by nature to be worshipers. So if you're not giving the worship to whom God gave it to you to give it to, you're gonna give it to somebody or something. Right? Now, idols today don't look like idols of old. All right, this was this was Baal. All right, if, if you'd have went into a city in Jesus' day, um, you would have seen temples filled with idols, and there were idol makers everywhere. All right, idols today don't look like that. Idols today are people. How many of you know people idolize people in unhealthy ways? Come on, even, even in churches, listen, even in churches, they idolize their pastor. Don't, don't, my job is to point you to him. You understand? I'm, I'm like you. I'm going to come and I'm going to go, but, but listen, it's Jesus that's a different maker, all right? Idols today look like... Idols today look like... Can you believe you could pay money to get more Instagram likes? Isn't that crazy? Come on. Oh, I got 100 Instagram likes. Yeah, how'd you get them? I paid for them. Isn't that crazy? Come on, somebody. Hey, man, listen to me today. Whatever your time and attention and devotion are wrapped around is really the God of your life. Whatever, you're, whatever you adore, wherever's your adoration. Can I remind you today, there is only one who is worthy of our adoration and our praise and our bowing down to say thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you that someday we're going to look and we're going to see this very sight that John saw when he was taken up into heaven. It says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. I think that's 10 million if you multiply it out. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy. Everybody say worthy. Worthy, worthy is who? Lamb. Who's the lamb? Jesus, the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Listen to me this morning. When we are in worship mode, when I say worship mode, you come into service at some point. Uh, the worship team is here. They begin to sing, and we enter into what I'll call for this moment worship mode. Put away your cell phones. I know you haven't seen the person next to you for a whole week, but could you save catching up till after service? It's a sacred time to give Jesus his due. It's what you're created. It's what you're here for, to worship him. It's your opportunity. And I believe this. I believe if you'll worship him in sincerity and in truth, you'll experience him, and you'll feel him ministering to you. And he'll lift burdens, and he'll work in you, and he'll put in you what you need for this next week. But it's possible to come into a service and miss what God has for you. Because when you have the opportunity to give God his due, you made another choice. Do you still love me this morning? Can you remember what Jesus said to the devil when the devil told Jesus that if he would bow down, he would give to him all the kingdoms of the world? Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So people reject God. They start to worship other things. God hopes at that point they'd realize that what they're worshiping isn't producing anything. It's a dead-end road. He hopes at that point they'd come to him. But what if they don't? Further down they go. Further down they roam. Romans 1 is not finished yet. Here's what it says. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because they continue to reject God, 
God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Notice, their bodies dishonored. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, the problem when you begin to push God away more and more is God, in a sense, says, if if that's how you're going to go, then go. The problem is when you begin to live without God and you have a sinful nature, your sinful nature pretty much takes over. If you push God away, let me put it this way, the lusts of your sinful nature will take over. And instead of recognizing that God gave you a body so that he could inhabit it and that you could be a temple in which the Holy Spirit lives, are you still with me? Now, it's my body, my thing, I'll do what I want. And then you almost begin to worship the very thing that God gave you to house him now becomes the center of attention. Come on, somebody. Are you just with me this morning? All right, now listen. How many think it's a good thing to get into shape? Is it a trick question? All right, I'm not, not. Ushers, note all those who raise their hand. No, it's not that, all right? All right. Good, good. Why is it good to get in shape? Because, you know, we want to live as long as we can and be as healthy as we can in these temples. There's a way to honor your body because it's a temple. But there's also the other side, where your body becomes the end all. Where you begin to look in the mirror and be like, man, I kind of like what I'm seeing here. (laughs) And and you almost begin to worship what you're becoming. Now, I I, I don't say this in any way to discourage those of you who are gym goers and who who like to get in shape. But be careful. There's a spirit in the world that that is almost trying to draw your, that, that the body is the end all. You understand that if I can just achieve uh, the six-pack and this certain look, that that, that is ultimately what's going to make me, you know, utopia or euphoria or whatever. Friend, that's not the answer. Come on, somebody. Good to get in shape. Good to run, jog, go to the gym. I'm for all those things, but be careful. There is a spirit at work in this world because mankind has rejected God where the body is the end all. Come on, somebody. The problem is, let's go here, don't let the gym become your God. The problem with making your body God is that your body will someday, someday fail. It's going to the grave. Come on, somebody, it is. Somebody say, but Jesus. Jesus never fails. Think, think of what's happened in our culture. Think of the people who, who cut their bodies. Why? Why? They're hurting. Who's ultimately behind that? And we're, and we're, we're grateful for people we've seen in our church who came in and, and they, were, they were cutters and, and the Lord set them free and God saved them and they don't need to cut anymore. Come on, Jesus was cut for me. He paid that price. Come on, he bore my pain. Amen. Uh, um, people, people who mutilate their bodies. How many of you have seen some people with some piercings? You're like, I don't think there's supposed to be a piercing there, man. I mean, that's, come on, somebody. People, people, now listen, I'm not against tattoos, I'm really not, but there's some, some people who are literally, they're consumed. I mean, that, that's, they, just, they just can't seem to stop. Anything that drives you beside the Holy Spirit is not a God thing. Are, are you still with me, okay? Be careful. One of the things that makes me weep in our culture today, can I just, just tell it like it is today since we're here? Okay, because we're talking about how do we get where we are. One of the things that makes me weep, 10-year-old, 
a little confused about who they are. Go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, we know the answer. We're going we're gonna to put you on puberty blockers. We're going we're gonna to get you. We're gonna, we're gonna, and it's almost a push. And it's sad. Almost a push. They, they don't tell that child what the effects of testosterone could be. On, on their female body that's never had it before. They don't tell them the emotional swings they're going to go on or all the dangers. They just push. So a 10-year-old believing the doctor knows best goes down that road. Takes the puberty blockers, turns 18. They're already on the road, so they go ahead with surgery. Their female parts are removed. Their breasts are removed. They're turned into some sort of a male. Maybe initially it, it's kind of cool because they feel like this is what they were supposed to end up being. But a couple years down the road, and I'm seeing this more and more in articles that I'm reading, they take a step back and they look at their body and they say, I've been mutilated and I've been destroyed. I can't have children, can't, can't bear children, can't produce children. It really didn't do what I had hoped it would do. It was a fake fix. Can, those people, can, can Jesus save anybody? Sure he is. But listen, you need, you need to see, why is this happening? Because we live in a culture that has pushed God out. We've said no prayer in the schools. We've pushed God further away. Get the nativity off the city property. All these things, we've pushed God. And, and listen, I didn't write Romans 1. I'm just reading it to you. This is what God says will happen to any culture that continues to push God away. And it's where we are today. Amen? And interesting, listen, if you, if you didn't know this, research shows, look it up. That up to 94% of children will grow out of their transgender identity when they go through puberty. So if that's true, if there's a really good chance that they're going to grow out of it, why would you head them down a road where it's very hard to return from? Come on, somebody. Amen? We're talking about doing things with, which dishonor your body. Can I just give you all the truth this morning since we're here this morning? Okay, l l listen to me. The world. Everybody say the world. They recognize that they can get more attention by taking more clothes off. Take more clothes off, get more likes, get more attention. That is not honoring your body in the sight of God. The only person who needs to see you in that state is your husband or your wife, not the rest of the world. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Amen. Getting likes by revealing too much skin dishonors your body. What happens when you reject the God of creation? Your mind becomes darkened. You worship other things. You have a wrong view of your body and what it's for. Lusts become magnified. And Paul continues. For this reason. For what reason? Because they continue to push out God. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men can committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. You know what this says? Say what, Pastor? The further a, a nation or a people de deter from God, the more sexual sin you're going to see all around you. the more you're going to see all around you. You're going to see an increase in sexual sin of every kind. Now listen, I'm not preaching this for us to hate anybody. I have compassion for whatever anyone struggles with, whether, whether it's identity, whatever. Come on, somebody. 
I'm, I'm just trying to help you this morning. Again, I didn't write Romans 1. God said, this is what's going to happen. This is the path that's going to happen in any society that continues to push God out of the picture. Down the spiral they go. And then Paul concludes the first chapter with even more description of what you'll see. He said this. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a, help me church, depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy. Notice these last two, we'll talk about them. Unloving and unmerciful. And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Notice these words. Unloving and unhateful. Why is there so much hate in our culture? Because as people go down that spiral, they become unloving and unmerciful, okay? Listen, one of the things we need to learn as Christians is, is how to love people that disagree with us. We are not called to respond like this world responds. We are not called to hate like this world hates. We are not called to engage them as they engage us. There is a way, I believe, that you can stand for what you believe for and yet do it in a respectful manner. I got an amen on this side from my wife. I'm going to try this side. This side's going to do better, all right? I believe there's a way with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Lord that you can disagree with somebody and yet still do it in a respectful manner. And I believe we need to learn how to do that if we're going to engage this world and make a difference. You're not going to change somebody's mind when you're screaming at them like they're screaming at you. Not going to happen, friend. Come on. What's going to change the world is when they see that you have something that they don't have and they want what you have. Can you say amen? I think that's an answer there, Sam. God wants to grant you the ability to love people who disagree with you. So this is where we find ourselves in a culture that has gone down this spiral where, if you will, anything goes. So what's the answer? That's what we're going to be covering in weeks to come, all right? What's the answer? Well, let me tell you, first of all, what the answer is not, okay? The answer is not political. Well, if we just had the right people in office and we had the right laws in place, all right, that might make it better for you and me, but would it change anybody's heart? Does politics transform lives? I don't see Paul, when he went into Corinth, looking around at all the temples and then saying, you know what, we're going to start to sign up for the non-idol party. Just join the non-idol party. We'll take on all these idols. You know what Paul did? Paul went in there and preached Jesus. And when Jesus started saving people, they started turning away from their idols to the point that so many people got saved that the idol makers got mad and said, we got to get rid of this Paul guy. We don't have any business anymore because people are coming to Jesus. They're turning from the idols. Their lives are being transformed. And the whole city of Corinth was being shaken. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. He's always our answer. Hey, is it okay to vote? Yeah, of course it is. Is it okay to write a letter to a congressman for some stupid law? Yeah, write a letter. Make a phone call. But I think far too many Christians think if we just take over, all will be well. 
Friend, I'm not sure I want you in charge. Come on, somebody. Ephesians 6 says, for our struggle, somebody say our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, if it's not political, what should I do? Here's what we're going to be fleshing out in the next coming weeks, okay? Commit yourself fully to Jesus. That's today. Prioritize your daily devotions. Cling to the cross. Cling to the word. Win others to Christ. Be serious about church. Listen to me. There are two spirits that are at work in the world right now. There's the spirit of the world controlled by the devil. And there's the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And I, I'd like my wife to come. Pastor Jared, I'd like you to come. I have a little illustration I, I want to show you before we close today. And my wife, my godly, beautiful wife, is going to represent the spirit of the world. Okay? Uh, uh, I would not pick anybody who was worldly. I have to pick a godly person to be that. All right, honey? Do I still get lunch? Okay, good. And Pastor Jared's going to represent the Holy Spirit. All right? So... So, so, so stick with me. Here I am. Okay, here I am. I'm, I'm a believer. Okay, but, but as a believer, I'm, I'm not as serious as I should be. Whereas I should be grabbing a hold of the God that I serve and holding on for dear life, knowing the culture that I live in. I'm playing games. So because I'm playing games, the spirit of the world is working on me. Now listen, I'm I'm stronger than the spirit of the world. I have the Lord in me. But because, because that, that, that spirit is tugging, that spirit is at work continually, I find myself moving in a direction I shouldn't be moving in. I find myself being attracted to things I shouldn't be attracted to. Come on, church, this is the day we live in. This is no joke. The Bible says the devil knows his time is short. And he's out for one last war. And who does he want to war against? Not those he already has, but those who belong to God. And so I'm pulling. But listen, what happens in a moment where I say enough? I'm going to get serious with my walk with God. First of all, there's no spirit of this world that can keep you from the God who's calling you if you want. So I come over and a couple things happen, all right? I grab a hold of the Lord, and the Lord grabs a hold of me. And in that moment, I realize that this world has nothing on me. Come on, somebody. That the cross has provided not only for my salvation, for the break with this world. And suddenly this world begins to lose its appeal. And suddenly I begin to see things as they are. This world is messed up and I'm not going down with this world. I, like Paul, I'm going to set my sight on things above. Come on, somebody. And Jesus is looking for a people at this hour who see the world for what it is. It is a mess. And they say, if ever there was a time that I needed to cling run to, get serious about my walk with Jesus. It's today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to ask those of you on the prayer team to come at this time, please. For those of you who have been cleared to pray for people, I want you to come. Grab a lanyard, if you would. Doing something different here. There's lanyards in here, just so people know. And I need you to kind of spread out on the sides. Leave the middle open. Just spread out on the sides. Just come. Every head, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm looking for somebody here today that if I were to come up to you and look you in the eye 
and say, do you know that you know things are right between you and the Lord? Do you know that you know that you belong to Jesus 100%? What would you say? Maybe when I showed that illustration, you say, that's me, man. I'm feeling the pull of this world. I'm feeling myself moving in a direction that I don't want to move in. Wouldn't today be a great day to say, Jesus, I'm surrendering all. Maybe you're here and you don't even know the Lord. You've, you've never opened the door of your heart and asked Jesus to come in. But you look at this world and you, you see what's happening. You say, this world's going crazy. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who died for you. And if you open up your heart to him, he's going to come in. He's going to forgive you. He's going to transform your life. And you're going to be grateful this morning. Every head bow, every eye closed. I feel the Holy Spirit is in this room. He's working on people. If you're here this morning, either not fully committed to the Lord, or you want to surrender your life to Christ in just a moment, when, when people begin to come, I want you to come, and I want you to get in front of, the, one, of these, one of these people who are here, one of these prayer team members, and let them pray with you. I'm going to invite you to come if you need prayer for any kind. You're, you're sick, you need prayer. Or if you just want to come in this center part of the, of the island, I hope you will. I hope many of you will just come down here and say, Jesus, I've heard the message today, and I need to stay serious with God. With that said, I want you to move this morning. If you need the Lord, I want you to move. If you need to get serious with God, I need you to move. If you just want to come to this center part, and I hope many of you will. Come on, you've heard this message. The best thing you can do when you hear a message and you know it's true is to get out of your seat and get to this altar and say, God, I'm not playing games. Maybe you're serious with God. Thank God for that. But come and say, God, keep me serious. Keep me running after you. I want this world to have no appeal to me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. All over this room. Come on. Come on, come. Would you come out of your seats? Come on. The best, time, the best thing about service is right now, right around these altars, what God wants to do. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you not be in a hurry. We're going to sing a song or two. We're going to let God move, whether that happens in your seat or around these altars. Give God the chance to make this very real to you, would you please?